Welcome to Gateway Church Wirral Online. We're so delighted that you're with us this morning. So great that you can be a part of our live streamed gathering. Just to welcome you to this space and what we're all about. Um, to say that we as a church, we're all about seeing people meet with God, encounter him for all his goodness and his grace and for lives to be changed by him. As a church, we want to see a world transformed, made better and better through every life transformed by the grace of God. So our hope and our prayer for you today, meet with Jesus in the things that we're saying, in the things that we're singing, in the way that we're opening up the word of God, which is alive for us today. We want you to know Jesus, know that he loves you, know that he has a plan for your life. And as we're going through our gathering this morning, do please connect with us here in this live stream space. You can fill in our connection card. The tab, I think, is at the top of your screen. Request prayer if you'd like to. There are great, friendly people who would love to pray with you. And do just connect with us in any and every way that you'd love to. As a church, we gather. That's what we're about today. When we come to the close of our gathering, I'll tell you how you can connect with us going forward into the week. So have a really great time. Be blessed. Enjoy yourself and enjoy Jesus, we pray. Good morning. Good morning, Gateway Church Wirral. Uh, we're so delighted to be able to, to gather um, in this fantastic way, each of you in your own homes, or those of you who can't be with us on Sunday, catching up during the week. And uh, just to let you know as well, if you do happen to miss any of our Sunday gatherings, you can catch up at any time at all uh, via our YouTube channel. Uh, I'm sure we'll get the, the link for that into the comments here. Please do uh, join in in the chat over at the side of our online church experience. You can request prayer as well. You can connect with us if you want to be a part of what is this well-being journey uh, that we're undertaking together as a church. Last week, uh, we began the journey and we're continuing it both in our Sundays and in our transformed communities as well. There are mid-sized communities that are like extended families and we're wanting to journey these truths in God together. So if you're not yet part of one, do let us know. It's so essential for you to get the most out of the journey. As well, uh, we have a, a book that we would love to bless you with. If you're new to us, just fill in the form and we'll get one to you for free. If you're part of the church, we've got them at incredible discounts for you. So we want everybody to be matched maximizing this because we believe that God has a plan for our well-being. When the world is shaken, when everything around about us seems utterly up in the air, we recognize that God is sure and certain. This is the God that we're coming this morning to learn more of, to follow, and the God that we're coming in a moment or two just to worship and to celebrate his goodness and his grace. I hope that you're up for that, and I hope that you're willing to encourage one another as we seek after God this morning. Just a couple of things to let you know of as well. If you happen to have uh, children with you, again, we'll, we'll put the details in the chat, but make sure that you're engaging with our kids' work. They've got a Zoom uh, this afternoon at 4.30. Excellent. And on our YouTube channel as well, uh, we've got some story times that your kids will really enjoy as they're getting ready for bed tonight. There's youth work as well, and so much that's going on. I know so much is in the virtual space, but we're really making the most of it. One further thing, a week on Thursday, that's the 28th of this month. We're going to be getting into our church rhythm of fasting and praying once a month all together and renewing that in this season. And what we're inviting you to do is maybe to be fasting through the day for one meal, the whole day, whatever it is that's right for you. And we're going to be seeking God in some particular things that we'll share with you as we get closer. And then that evening at 8.15, we have about an hour on Zoom together as we break fast and as we pray together and seek God, which we're aware is just so, so important for us, especially in this season. Good morning. Good morning. How are you all this morning? Are you feeling good at home, relaxing in your pajamas? I'm a bit jealous. I might turn up one day in my pajamas. Okay, kids, kids, push your grown-ups out of the way. This bit's for you. What are we doing this morning? Let me grab. Oh, let me grab this. This is you. Here we go. Here's you. You're the water this morning. Oh, growing up, this can be you too. Right, okay. We're going to be thinking about, like Greg has already told us, reminded us, we're on our well-being journey, aren't we? We started it last week here in church. We've started it in our kids. Can you still hear me? Oh, I disappeared for a second. I'm back. I am back. Okay. 
And we're carrying that on this morning. And what we're thinking about this morning is how God wants to change our mindset, wants to change our well-being, improve our well-being. And we're just going to think about well-being in terms of our health and our happiness. And we're going to think about our minds and we're going to think about our hearts. So if this water is us in here, I've got some water in here. As we go about life, things can go a little bit wrong and our, and our water can get a little bit a little bit dirty and a little bit grubby. I've got some pens. Here we go. I'm going to slush them around in the water. Did you know you could do this? You can just rub a felt tip pen in some water and it changes colour. I had no idea, but I'm going to do this all the time. Here we go. It's a great way if your pen's running out, just slosh it in some water. And it will definitely run out. You won't be able to use it again. But you'll have some great cold water. Okay, so my water's already been cold. It's already changed. My mind's getting a little bit foggy. My heart's getting a little bit heavy. I'm going to add a little bit more. I've got some dirt. I've got some sand. I've been digging up the garden this morning. Don't join in with me, please. Don't dig up your garden. Okay, I'm going to add that in there. Okay, and now I've got some actual rubbish as well. Here we go. I'm going to add that in. Oh, dear. Right, let me give that a mix all around here we go and this is what can happen in life sometimes our our mind our hearts can get a little bit foggy a little bit muddy a bit murky just there's there's a lot of things going on there and we and we're not really anymore as healthy as we could be are we maybe our physical health or just our mind we're not as healthy as we could be but God wants to change us and if you let him he can help you with this. Now, what could I use to get rid of things out of this water? What can we use if we've got lots of big things in the way of our water? How can I get them out? Let's see, I'm going to transfer it into one here. Oh, I've brought a colander. Did you think of a colander? Let me add that there. There's a crack in this bowl, so this might be interesting. Here we go. Oh, wonderful. I've already got rid of quite a lot there. There we go. So maybe that could be that, that we've started to ask God to help us, to help change us, to help renew our minds. Maybe we've gone to him in prayer and he's already started doing work in our lives. There we go. He's already started helping us to change and cleaning us up there. There we go. But we, we, we've still got a little bit of, of not too great stuff in there. We're still not as healthy as we could be. So here we go. Let's, let's go one step further. I've got a sieve. Let's get rid of some of that soil and sand. Oh, that's better. There we go. I've got rid of a bit more there. We're we're carrying on. God is carrying on doing a work in our lives if we ask him to. And if we let him, he's carrying on fixing us up there, making us more healthy. But look, we're still still a bit of a mess there. Oh, dear. Okay. I've got some coffee filter. There we go. Let's see if this happens. Ooh, here we go. I'll just pour a little bit in. There we go. And slow and steady, it's starting to come out. Here we go. And, and God does things not at the speed of light all the time. God has the power to completely heal us in an instant and to completely change us in an instant, but he doesn't do that all the time. He changes us slowly. Bit by bit, he chips away at us because he's teaching us things in the process. He's not going to do it super quickly. We're not going to learn much from that. Slow and steady. He's going to, if we let him, change our hearts, change our minds, help us heal, make us healthy again to how he intended us to be. Now then, as you can see, the colour that I changed the water to at the beginning, it's still there. I haven't gotten rid of the colour. And that's because, like I said, God takes his time to change you and to change your heart. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna convert this back to how it was straight away because it would be silly of me to tell you that God changes you in an instant and he changes you super quickly and it's all magical. Click of the fingers, you say one little prayer and he changes you all and he makes you super healthy again, renews your strength and your mind and your heart. He could, like I said, but he's doing a work in you slowly and steadily. He's transforming you. And this is the difference between being changed by the world and being changed by God. I've got, I've got some toothpaste here. Okay, and this is what happens when we allow ourselves to be changed by the world. Yeah. 
and, and we're struggling again with, with our thoughts and our minds and our hearts and our, and our health and we, and we try and turn to things of the world to fix us. I'm going to squirt this out maybe into a ball. There we go. And we, and we try and fix. Oh, and we conform to the ways of the world. I'm squeezing this toothpaste. I'm very aware that there are some people that think squeezing toothpaste is an absolute sin. Are you a squeezer or are you a roller? There are two types of people in this world. I'm a squeezer. My husband is a roller. It's tense in our household when we brush our teeth. Oh, well, here we go. Look, oh, we've tried to be changed by the world. And, and look what's happened. All that's happened is we've emptied ourselves. It's changed. It looks different, definitely. But it's all squashed up. It's empty. Nothing inside anymore. It's all empty. It's all come out. We're, we're changed, definitely, but... But I don't think for the good, we're feeling pretty empty. Whereas this is what happens when we allow God to change us. We're a bit like this balloon. Here we go. Bit by bit, we start to, we start to stretch. We start to be filled. He continues to change us, to shape us. Again, if we let him, if we ask him to and we allow him to do it, he starts to fill us a bit more. We start to stretch. We start to change. And it just keeps going. He keeps filling us up. And what are we being filled with? We're being filled with the Holy Spirit, aren't we? That's what happens. God will change us slow and steady so that it works, so that over time we're not as muddy and murky and unhealthy anymore we start to transform back into what he intended us to be and he fills us not like the toothpaste but we got empty don't be conformed the bible tells us don't be conformed to the patterns of this world but be renewed but be transformed by the renewing of your mind be transformed like this balloon it filled with air it was transformed it didn't have the same shape anymore it was filled with the holy spirit that's what god wants to do he wants to transform you as he's changing you so let God do that from this morning. Make that decision that you are going to allow God to transform you, to change you, to be a healthier, happier you. Thank you. Aren't these fantastic images to help us to understand the work of God in our lives? And um, it's really great to have this uh, freedom within this understanding to know um, that God is doing an ongoing work within our lives. And there's only just a little bit of me that's disappointed that there were coffee papers on, on the stage and now I've come up and there is no coffee. Um, so if you're drinking a coffee at home, do not put that in the comments because I don't want to know um, because you know, I don't want to sin in my um, you know, resentment. Um, anyhow, um, I think that, that um, second image there was so helpful to us that sometimes um, you know, we, we want to be changed. We recognize the need um, for, for change in our life, but the, the harder we try, the less we have on the inside. And in fact, what we need is to God, for God to come into our inside and to, yes, expand us, yes, change us, not always comfy, but for God to renew us and fill us so that we never run dry. Like, I don't know about you, I, I've oftentimes of late felt a little bit dry, a little bit weary. Anybody else? Uh, and sometimes, actually, if I'm really, really honest, it's not just been about the, the actual things that have been troubling me, but sometimes I've felt a little sorry for myself of late. Anybody else? There's like five people in the room here, and none of them are saying anything to me, so it's just me, apparently. Um, ho hopefully the rest of you at home uh, you know, can uh, relate to this. I think we do, don't we? Um, lockdown, yes, it can be pretty tough, uh, but also sometimes we can get into kind of cycles of, as it were, accentuating the toughness of what we're going through. Well, just as we begin this morning, and, and today we're talking about developing a well-being mindset, um, I, I read a story this week of a lady, and I wanted to share it with you because I think you know, her attitude and the way that she presented herself to the toughness of her circumstances will be really instructive for us. Her name was Marie Durand, and she was from um, a, quite a well-known family, a Huguenot family in, in France in the 18th century. It was at the time when uh, there had been the Reformation, and, and so many Christians were eagerly pursuing the truth of the gospel, but the powers that be were not happy with that at all. And it was illegal for her um, to be evangelical in her beliefs. 
And in spite of this threat, a family, they were active in the gospel, so much so that Marie was imprisoned for her faith in Jesus at the tender age of just 15 years old. Now get this, she spent the next 38 years in prison. 38 years in lockdown. Is anybody done with lockdown now? I think we all are. Imagine 38 years of it. And uh, the circumstances they kept her in were really psychologically tough. You see, what they did was they left the door of her prison cell wide open. And they said to her, look, if you will renounce your faith in Jesus, the way you're practicing your faith, you can walk free. Any moment, any moment you like. Wow. What a tough thing to do to somebody. And yet, she chose to remain imprisoned for the sake of her conscience, to stay in lockdown, as it were. Eventually, she was released at the age of 53, which in those days meant that really the majority of her life was gone. It was done. But after she'd left that cell, they found that she had written the word, resiste, resist on the stone walls all around her. This was her mindset. She was saying to herself, in God, I will not give in. I will not compromise my faith. She was absolute in her commitment to Jesus, no matter how challenging the circumstances around her. And they really were challenging. Look, I know Grace was joking about how like squeezing the toothpaste might upset you. I think I'm going to really upset you now. Uh, because on one occasion, rats, while she were asleep, gnawed part of her foot off. You don't really need that on Sunday morning, do you? But it's the truth. In spite of such devastating things happening to her, psychologically, mentally, physically, spiritually, she kept strong. And we're going to come back to her a little later on and find out why it was that she was able to remain strong in her commitment to God and her journey. But as we progress in our well-being journey, look, um, we're unlikely to see any change in our lives if we aren't willing to, as it were, set ourselves up for change. To begin, as Grace was sharing that process, uh, slow though it may be, lifelong though it may be, if we're not willing to say, yes, I can grow, I can come to a place of change and of of the well-being, the the shalom that we were talking about last week of God in my life, well, we're going to struggle if we can't. Selwyn Hughes, a Christian leader, he wrote once in a book called Christ Empowered Living, he wrote this, to win the battle of the mind is to win one of the greatest areas of life. It is said that no real change can take place until a person's thinking is changed. And so today, we're going to consider three essential elements of developing a well-being mindset. They are to know who you really are, to know where you're really at, and to know that you can really change. And I've mentioned it already, but if you've not yet got one of our our books that we're recommending by Dave Smith, um, God's Plan for Your Well-Being, you're really, really going to want to get a hold of this. It's full of practical wisdom and daily helps for you in this. So make sure that you let us know and we'll get a book for you. Part of what we're going to do today, and you'll, you'll see it in your book through the week, is to consider another example, the example of a man named Elijah. Now, he was a prophet in the Old Testament, and you'll see in your books, in fact, that there's some detail about him, but I wanted just briefly to, to share a little bit of that detail. He was born around 2,900 years ago in a place called Tishbe in Gilead, probably in, in Jordan as it is today, uh, and for many years, his circumstances were this. His nation, Israel, the, the people of God, in fact, they've been experiencing serious spiritual and moral decay. The golden era of the kings like David and Solomon, it was long past. And there'd just been wickedness after wickedness from the king down since. Now the king was Ahab. And he was worse than all the rest, perhaps, put together. He was married to a lady named Jezebel who had brought in a false way of worship, of worshipping a false god named Baal. And it was absolutely horrific um, in its practice. Not only that, but she began killing people like Elijah, the prophets of God, and raising up her own false prophets. Against this background, Elijah comes onto the scene, and he pronounces judgment upon the king, upon the nation, calls them to repentance. 
And his story is dramatic, not in just what he's saying, but what he's experiencing, what he's doing in the power of God. Right there at the beginning, he, he prophesies that God's going to bring a drought as part of his punishment and returning his people to himself, and, and it happened. But within that, God then provides for Elijah. He's fed there by, get this, you're going to have to read this for yourself to believe it, but he's fed by ravens bringing him food. That, that's pretty dramatic, isn't it? I was with uh, my lad in Birkenhead Park having our, our daily exercise uh, the other day and we were eating a little packet of crackers together uh, because every good work, walk needs a snack, I think I'm right. And, um, and there we are sat on the bench and we're eating the snacks and our hands are really, really cold and he dropped a cracker and instantly every single bird in the park eyes on us. And they're like, right. And we, got, we walked like three steps away and a crow came and they, it was in there. He had that cracker um, before we got moving. How strange it is. Birds were bringing him food for Elijah. And not only that, but God provided for a widow to take care of Elijah and provided miraculous food for, for Elijah, for this widow and her son. Tragically, the sun passes away. And yet, even in that, God ministers through Elijah so that this, this young man is brought back to life. It's incredible. And from this provision, God brings Elijah to come back and confront Ahab, the king. He meets with another man of God, Obadiah, and they work together to bring about this, this moment on a place called Mount Carmel, where the falseness and the depravity of the wrong ways of living and of worshipping are shown up, and God has victory through Elijah, brings indeed fire down to demonstrate that he is the one true God. Elijah is having a great time. It's absolutely fantastic. Not only this, but Elijah then is moved by God to pray, the drought ends, the rain comes, and the Spirit of God comes upon Elijah and he outruns the king's chariot for around about 40 kilometers. Um, I, I, I can't outrun anybody um, for about 40 paces, I don't think. Um, for, wow, Elijah is experiencing some powerful and profound things. But even so, he comes to a place in life where the persecution, where the trouble, where the, the difficulties of circumstance, they've actually built up upon him. And that's what we're going to see this morning. We're going to come again um, to worship God right now. Uh, I don't know about your life. Maybe you've experienced some incredible things of God. Maybe you've known. Uh, and maybe you continue to know up here that God is true and gracious and good and kind and powerful. But sometimes down here or you know, in our gut or in our spirit, in spite of what has been and what we do know, times can be tough. Things can get on top of us. We can lose sight of what's really important in life and lose our way. And so we're going to see that actually we need to come again to get that well-being mindset which God can help us with, to know who we really are, where we're really at, and know that we can really change. So come on. Let's bring our lives before God openly, honestly, and worship him again for who he is. So Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that we can worship a God, that we can pray to a God who comes to us with love, unfailing love, constant love, and that God, you are higher than the mountains that we face. Lord Jesus, we can trust in you because of who you are and because of how you are able to work your good purposes in our lives, no matter what we face, no matter what we are surrounded by. We trust in you. Amen. 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 We trust in God. So we're going to come to our God and we're going to start to understand how it is he wants to speak into our lives, your life, my life. Unique as they may be, we know that God wants to do incredible works in each of our lives. And the first thing for us to consider is to know who you really are. Who do you think you are? Now, I thought I had a, 
a pretty good sense of who I am, who I was. Yesterday, um, we were doing a bit of cleaning around the house. Um, you kind of just slowly have to get your house back to normal after Christmas, don't you? Um, I still have to take down the lights from the outside of the house that Erin wanted me to put up before. It doesn't seem like they've been up long enough, if I'm honest. Um, but we're getting the house back to normal, doing a bit of cleaning. Erin's fixing the bathroom. Move the bathroom scales out from underneath a little uh, unit, which I think we can be honest, underneath the unit and out of sight is where bathroom scales belong. Can I get an amen? Um, but uh, anyhow, they came out so a bit of cleaning could happen. Of course, the kids are like, ooh, what's this? And so one by one, the family is spending some time on the scales. And uh, I come up from doing some work downstairs and I'm told, Daddy, Daddy, come on the scales. And, you know, dragging my feet. I came onto the scales and I thought I knew who I was. Turns out there is more of me than I thought that there was. Um, I am, a, you know, I'm, I'm going to say I'm a bigger man. Um, and, and you can choose how you want to interpret that. I'm assuming you mean a bigger man in my mental powers and my spiritual. Anyhow, the scale didn't measure that. It measured the other stuff. There's more of me than I thought I was. Look, seriously, we can kind of lose track of who we are and, and how we are and where we're going um, in life. Uh, another way of kind of thinking about it is in your well-being books. I was reminded of the movie The Lion King. And, uh, and within The Lion King, um, that key character, Simba, um, he forgets who he is. That's kind of what the story is, really. He kind of forgets who he is through circumstances, tragedy. I'm not going to spoil the story. But he forgets who he is. He's the son of the king. That defining moment, isn't there, where his, his father appears to him in kind of a vision and tells him, Simba, remember who you are. You are my son. Remember who you are. Can anybody else hear the voice of James Earl Jones in their ear? And it's just me. Um, I, I love that. Anyhow, we'll move on. Remembering who you are. Who are you? One way sometimes that we fall into a trap in life is we define ourselves not about fundamental things of who we are, but by comparison. On a ridiculous scale, if I was to compare my weight with the weight of my son, I might feel a little bit bad about that. Um, but in all seriousness, we compare ourselves, don't we? And in these days of lockdown and some isolations, we're perhaps spending more and more time on social media, on our phones or whatever, and, and we see you know, the kind of best versions of other people and maybe you feel it even more keenly we compare ourselves we beat ourselves up for every perceived shortcoming but without a truer north star for our lives a, a certain point of reference for our lives we will so easily get off track in the pursuit of well other people's lives uh, we do so much better to stay in our own lane to to journey where we uh, know we ought to be going you know, even the seemingly wealthy and successful can go off track. Uh, again, I've mentioned him, that the gentleman who wrote our book, Dave Smith, I was listening to him recently, and he, he was telling me the example of Justin Bieber. Does anybody want to know some more about Justin Bieber? I'm sure you do. Thank you, Favour. I appreciate that. And um, he found incredible fame and fortune at a young age, didn't he? Um, and he was set for life, you might think, and yet he went off track pretty badly with increasingly wild and self-destructive behavior. I remember an instance where he was trying to get on a plane with his pet monkey. Does anybody else remember this? The guy had lost any sense of where he was going in life. It was pretty messed up. And it wasn't really very funny, in fact. There were some deep-rooted things going wrong with him. And yet now, Bieber credits God as the true North Star of his life. The one who saved him from hedonism and drink and drugs and, and the one who got his life back on track. Uh, this is how Justin Bieber puts it. He says, we have the greatest healer of all and his name is Jesus Christ. And he really heals. This is good news, isn't it? It's incredibly good news. And in one post to his, get this, 180 million Instagram followers let that sink in for a minute. This is crazy, isn't it? But he wrote this. Jesus loves you. Be kind today. Be bold today. And love people today, not by your standards, but by God's perfect, unfailing love. 
He's a bit of a preacher, isn't he, Justin Bieber? Did you catch that? Not by your standards, but by God's perfect, unfailing love. If it's by our standards, so often influenced by everything around us, so often swayed by how we're feeling, we lose track so quickly of who we really are. But God knows. Coming back to the story of Elijah, identity was actually supremely important for him. He started out incredibly well, didn't he? He was faithful. He was brave. He had such a great victory over those false religions and the terrible practices of King Ahab and Jezebel on Mount Carmel. Yet almost immediately after, he endured what we might term a devastating burnout before God finally restores him. In those days, even more so than today, names were incredibly important, what the names mean. And Elijah or Elijah, it means the Lord is my God. Can you imagine any time anybody ever says your name to you, you'd be reminded the Lord is my God. And it set the tone for his life, for his ministry. Right at the beginning of his ministry in 1 Kings 17, verse 1, we read that Elijah is speaking. He says, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand. That is solid, isn't it? As God himself before whom I stand. This is, this is where I find myself. This is who is journeying with me. This is where I'm going. It's so certain. He knows that he is God. He knows for what he stands. He stands because of God, before God. That's a solid foundation. Yet, by the time he's burning out, after the highest point of his ministry, he's lost all this certainty. We find him soon after in 1 Kings 19. And in verse 4 and 5, we read this. While he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness... He came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. It doesn't get lower than that. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He got an insight there. It said, things are going to improve, so you know, don't despair. But did you know how Elijah, when he was talking to God in the, in the depths of his despair, he said, I'm no better than my ancestors, those who've come before me. He's changed the foundation of his life from standing before his God to standing or, or stumbling after his ancestors. How about you? Maybe you think you'll never amount to much because of where or who you come from. Or do you worry that you'll never measure up because of how illustrious previous generations were? Are we comparing ourselves? And we think sometimes comparison's a useful thing, but God calls us to something better. It is who we are in God, no one else, that is the defining statement, characteristic of our lives. God loves each of us personally and perfectly. You know, it's been said and it's true that God has, as it were, no grandchildren, only children. For none of us, if we come to God, receives his love secondhand. We all can come to him firsthand and know him as our Savior, our Lord, know God as our Father. It's also been remarked that at the foot of the cross is level ground. You see, we have an advantage perhaps over someone even as illustrious and marvelous as Elijah. We come to God through Jesus, through the cross, through his perfect work of salvation, and we can all access Jesus exactly the same. The Bible over and over again talks about Jesus as being beloved of the Father, loved by the Father. And if you, if I, if we're coming to God through Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we then are the beloved of the beloved. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians 1 that God, he actually established all of this long, long ago. And the Bible tells us in verse 6 that he has blessed us in the beloved. This is who you are if you're in Jesus. God's favor is upon you through Jesus Christ. In Colossians 3, we're told also in verse 12, to put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, 
kindness, humility, meekness, patience. We can live like this confidently, compassionately because of a true foundation. If the worship team would come. Because of knowing that who we really are isn't about our successes or failures, but about the unchanging love of God. Who are you? You're loved by God. Who are you? If you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, you are the beloved of the beloved. And I want to encourage you to understand who you are. It's not dependent upon the ups and downs of life. It's not in comparison with anyone else. It's because of your God. Right now, if you don't know the love of Jesus like I'm describing it, why don't you let us know? And we would love to pray with you. Our hosts, they're there for you. They want to encourage you and pray with you as we come again in worship now. We praise you, God. Amen. So... We're going to continue thinking through the example of Elijah, through uh, the truth of what we've just been singing, that we are children of God if we're in Christ Jesus. And to understand how it is that we can develop that well-being mindset. We, we, as we've said, we want to know who we really are. But now we want to consider who we re- where we're really at. Come again to 1 Kings 19, those verses 4 and 5. Uh, and, um, and, and, and Elijah, he's there, he's under a bush, he's sat down praying these desperate prayers, saying, I've had enough. I'm no better than those who've come before me. Take my life. And he falls asleep in his exhaustion. I want to ask you, where does your security come from in life? See, for Elijah, you know, he'd really been out there at the forefront of what God was doing and spent much of his life, of his ministry, uh, being hidden, preserved, protected by God and faithful people from those who were seeking his harm. Uh, And so often, God had saved him, preserved him from harm. Powerful people, the royal family, wanted him out of the way. And yet he remained committed to the message. How tragic it is now that he's willing to kind of, as it were, throw in the towel even of his own life. Maybe the the combination of the persecution heightens to an extreme point after the events of Mount Carmel. Maybe those long, hard years during the time of drought and famine. Well, whatever it was, the build-up means that Elijah, he takes his eyes off of his hope in God. And he sees only all the trouble around him. There he is. What did those verses tell us? He's out there in the wilderness. It looks bleak. And there's just this bare bush of a thing and finds himself under the meager shade that it offers. He thinks he knows where he is, but does he really know where he is? Circumstances in life where we feel like we're at, you know, these circumstances of pandemic, of lockdown and so on, they can knock us. The past year and well even 2021 so far makes us feel sometimes like there's no hope. It can feel like a wilderness. Yet in fact, Elijah had been used to prophesy the drought that he had been sustained through. He had been used to prophesy the judgment of God that now others were so profoundly resenting. It shouldn't really have been a weight on his shoulders, rather a reminder in all these things that God was in control. The circumstances all around about him, even though they looked bleak, they actually spoke of the work that God was doing in his life and around about him. In James chapter 5 and verse 17, the New Testament talks about Elijah and it says that Elijah, get this, was a human being just like us. Does anybody feel a bit like Elijah? Maybe we don't, so that's why the Bible reminds us he was just a man. But then he prayed that it would not rain, the Bible tells us, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. There it is. Elijah was a human. But also, God was at work 
in him and through him. I have a, a, a blinding news flash for you this morning. You're a human. Um, if you're at home in your living room with anybody there, maybe you could turn to them on the couch. If they've had at least two coffees, you can say this honestly, you are a human. Um, if it's been less than two coffees, it's borderline, frankly. But look, it's reality, isn't it? We are human. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves of this, that look, no matter how much God has been at work through you, no matter how much you've achieved or seen, you're still a human. It's helpful to us. Because we don't need to pretend we're not, to pretend that we're more than we are, sometimes to pretend that we've got it all together. We can actually admit to God that we really don't. Rick Warren, in the book, The Purpose Driven Life, I know many of you have read it, he, he put it like this. He said, don't repress it, confess it. Don't conceal it, reveal it. Revealing your healing is the beginning of healing. Do you understand what he's getting at? Knowing where we really at, being honest about the circumstances, isn't actually the beginning of despair. It's the beginning of healing. We confess it, knowing that God is our help. You know, we admit where we're really at, and God can move us from fear to peace. You know, that shalom peace that we talked of last week. Again, in the New Testament, John's first letter, chapter 4 and verse 18, tells us there is no fear in love. It might look like the wilderness, but where are you? You're in love. Because perfect love, John says, casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Look, there's nothing wrong with admitting that we're in tough times, that we're human, that maybe we've made mistakes, that, that we've erred, that we need God. In fact, I would urge you to call out your help to God as often as you possibly can because into this, God comes to our fear and brings love. He wants us to be free, truly free, God says that he wants us to be free indeed. That is really free. So know where you're really at. And then from this place, then know that you can really change. I've said oftentimes when there's been many, many of you here in the room, who likes change? And I think the most we've ever had is about two hands half raised. Uh, most people don't like change very much. And this whole series, this whole well-being journey, it's about how God wants to work his purposes of change in our lives. And, and I don't know, maybe you feel, maybe you're thinking, oh goodness, but that's how I've always been. Or I'm just too tired, or I can't change. Or, or maybe you've leafed through your well-being book and you've seen some of the topics up ahead and you're thinking, goodness, I'm going to skip that Sunday. I don't want to address those kinds of things in my life. Hmm, it's understandable, maybe, but to really come to the well-being that God has for you and for me, we need to be going into the journey with an I can grow mindset. There's a sociologist, Carol Dweck, and she talks of a growth mindset. She studied it extensively, mostly amongst children, but adults too, because we can change. And what she's found that is that when people, kids, adults, um, even if they only have quite modest abilities, if they come into a circumstance with a mindset that says, I can grow and I can develop, well, they do. They really do. They maximize their opportunity. Yet, she found that even folks with really quite high-level ability, if they don't believe they can change or grow, then they stagnate. They're static. They don't move. I'm grateful to... Pastor Dave Smith for, the, for this book that we're enjoying and these um, resources that we have as a church during this season. And, you know, it was, it was him who, in his speaking, pointed me towards thinking about Justin Bieber. I have to confess, I might not have thought about Justin Bieber otherwise. Um, and he also pointed me to think about Leicester City, who I really don't like to think about at the moment, being one point ahead of Liverpool in the league. It's not right. Um, anyhow, let's move on. But you'll remember, amazingly, wouldn't you, how Leicester City won the league those years ago. They were 5,000 to 1 outsiders. And they won. They had good players, a good team, but maybe not superstars. What they had was a can-do attitude. One player, Mark Albright, and he summed it up like this. He said, we've got that never-say-die attitude. I think that's won us a lot of points this season. And it's not just that attitude for yourself, trying to be the hero of your own story. That doesn't work. 
but it's actually that attitude together as a team. We as a church are urging you. I am praying for each and every one of us that we'll stop trying to do it on our own and that we'll do it together. We have these transformed communities. Each and every one of us needs to be. Please, God, must be a part of a transformed community. Week in, week out, growing together. Again, thinking of Leicester City, the captain that year, Wes Morgan, he said, I've never known a spirit like the one between these boys. We're like brothers. And yet even more than having a can-do attitude individually, having a can-do attitude in our transformed communities, we have one who speaks this possibility over us. He knows what we can achieve, who we can be. He's cheering us on. We return again to the story of Elijah. And we follow on in chapter 19 from verse 5 onwards. The story goes like this. He lay down under that bush, fell asleep. The angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around And there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat. The journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Remember I said he'd run like 40K before? Now he's journeying a hundred miles and he's doing so because God is enabling him it's not just saying I can it's not just having one another encouraging one another in the can but it's having the God who actually equips and enables the can do now you and I you might not go to sleep tonight and be woken by an angel in the night if you are would you let me know I'd love to hear about it But you know, we actually have something that's even more powerful and profound. If we're in Christ, we have the very Holy Spirit of God in us all the time, enabling us, equipping us, feeding us, refreshing us, empowering us for the journey. We can get up in the power of God's word because when God speaks, everything changes. We can invest in this journey, reading his word together in transformed communities and knowing that God is changing us. You remember Marie Durand, who I mentioned right at the beginning in her terrible lockdown? You know, the main thing that got her through, even though she didn't have that community around her at the time, the main thing was this. She was praying through a little book of Psalms. And I'm told that if you could open up her little Psalm book to Psalm 42, you could still see the tear stains on the pages there. And the words they powerfully resonate with us even today in verse 4 of the psalm it says my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be I walked among the crowds of worshippers leading a great procession to the house of God singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration is there a one among us who doesn't long for that day when we can all be together and singing at the top of our voices hmm can understand why Marie especially would weep over such words. But the psalm doesn't end there. In verse 11, we're told this. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. This is the power of God's word at work within those who will invest themselves and believe and journey with him to change We have the Holy Spirit reminding us of these truths, enabling us to open up the Bible together in community and be changed. You can get up. You can be changed. We can get up. We can be changed. So we have this well-being mindset to know who we really are in Christ, to, to know where we're really at, to know that we can really change. And if we will allow God to work these things through us, then as John 8 and verse 32 tells us, then we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. Over these weeks ahead, we're going to be continuing in the various areas of our own well-being. But right now, we're reminding ourselves, rooting ourselves in the fact that we are beloved of the beloved. We're full of the Holy Spirit. He gives us everything we need for this journey. And so we come now as we close to share in communion together, which reminds us, look, if your life is in Christ, it's because of what he's done for you. 
that he's done everything that is necessary for you. And that he wants to work out his good purposes in your life and through your life for the good of those around you and the glory of God our Father. And so we come and we take the bread. And here and at home, I would encourage you to take it and to eat. That Christ has been broken so that you might be made whole. That you might be healed. And so we come and we present our lives such as they are, no pretense, but say, God, we worship you and we thank you for what you have done. Please be our healing, be our enabling today. And as we take the bread, we also take the cup. And again, giving thanks to God that his life, his blood was shed so that we might know life. Not only this, but Christ Jesus has risen from the dead so that we know that his life is stronger than the power of death. It is stronger than the power of the grave. He has conquered sin and in him we can also know the fullness of life and resurrection life to come. And so we take and we drink together. And we pray. Jesus We thank you that better than ourselves, you know who we are. We thank you as we read in the book of Ephesians that before anything, everything, you predestined for us to be chosen. You predestined for us to be transformed so that we might be those beloved of the beloved. God, we thank you that you know all things and by your grace today, you're revealing some of these truths to us, reminding us again so that we and together we in community and together we in community full of your spirit might go on this journey with faith, glad hearts, anticipation of what you will do in us. Jesus, we pray, each and every one of us, let us be in you. If there are folks here today and their lives are not yet in your hands, God, I'm praying for them that they would have the courage to place their lives in your hands, the humility to place their lives in your hands, each and every one of us, that God, we'd be reminded to stop living as though we haven't, but to put our lives again in your hands, every part, so that you will accomplish your perfect will in us and through us. God, we're seeking your good, not just for ourselves, but for our world. We're seeking your good, not just for ourselves and our world, but because we want to glorify your name. Have your way, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on. If you're seated again, why don't you take these last moments as we worship God to get to your feet and celebrate that he knows you. He sees you where you are and he knows you for who you really are, for who he's really made you to be. We can journey with him with that attitude of heart and of mind. Together, God is doing good things in us. Together, God is doing good things through us for those around us. Amen. Once again, it's been such a delight to be able to share together as a church this morning. And uh, we know uh, that taking what God has been doing in our lives, we can go and have wonderful weeks with him. Just to um, invite you um, to journey together with one another as we go through the week. We as a church, we don't just gather, but we get going into what God has for us together. And we have these things called transform communities. We would love to help you to connect with other like-minded people who are exploring God's goodness and grace and seeing how they can be a part of his transforming work in the world. So again, hit us up, get in touch. We'd love to help you to connect. Anything that you need, any prayer requests, do let us know. And we'll love to see you again this time next week. God bless you and bye for now.